1: Today on the show, we are diving into the world of misinformation. We had been busily working on other episodes for our new season, but then quickly shifted gears because of... Joe Rogan, host of the most listened-to podcast on Spotify, being accused of being a public health menace for repeatedly promoting falsehoods about COVID-19 on his show. If you're out of the loop, here's the hot tea. Joe Rogan is an incredibly popular podcaster. It's been reported by a bunch of news outlets that millions of people listen to his show. And back in December, he aired this interview with a guy called Dr. Robert Malone. Now, Malone did some early fundamental research with mRNA. But since then, he's become famous for getting kicked off Twitter after some say he spread misinformation about the vaccines. Now, in this interview with Joe Rogan, Malone did make the COVID vaccines look bad. He talked about scary side effects, seemed to suggest that boosters could increase your risk of getting COVID, implied the vaccines are a risk to our fertility, and that's kind of the tip of the iceberg. Scientists were so up in arms about this interview that hundreds of nerds sent a letter to Spotify calling on them to do something here. Why Spotify? Well, Joe Rogan has an exclusive deal with them, so you can only listen to his show on Spotify some artists have demanded their music be taken off the platform. And now to an upheaval in music streaming. Legendary singer-songwriter Neil Young is pulling his music from Spotify. Now, Spotify did some stuff like releasing its platform rules. But soon after, even the White House commented, saying tech companies should do more. To ensure the American people have access to accurate information on something as significant as COVID-19, that certainly includes Spotify. And it's all quite awkward because she says Spotify? Spotify. And it's even more awkward because Science Versus this show is owned by Spotify. And for the past few months, I've been encouraging you all to join up to Spotify. So I'm feeling like a bit of a chump here. Which brings us to today. We are going to dig into what Malone and Rogan actually talked about on Rogan's show. And we're going to take a close look at the science. And also the bigger picture here, because we are going to walk you through the ways that misleading claims can confuse us into believing stuff that doesn't line up with the best science we've got. And what we're going to do in this show is not just fact check that episode, but show you how we at Science Versus sort through the confusing claims about science that we hear And we're kind of hoping that this will just in general help you to navigate the world of misinformation, uh, you know, even away from this episode of Joe Rogan. And to help me with this, I have my trusty sidekick, producer Rose Rimler. Hello. Hi, Wendy. How do you feel about being my trusty sidekick?
0: I feel emasculated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well... So (laughs) what did you feel like when you were listening to this episode? Uh, My first
0: thought when we were talking about going through this episode and breaking it down was I felt kind of overwhelmed because um, there's a lot going on in this episode. They cover lots of stuff.
1: So much, so much. And so here's what we're going to do. Instead of going through the claims one by one by one, We have decided to pick out the parts of this interview that tell a larger story about the general tools that you see over and over again in the misinformation game. But we do want to say a couple of things up front. The first is that we reached out to both Joe Rogan and Robert Malone. Rogan didn't get back to us. Malone pointed us to some posts online, but he didn't respond to our specific questions. Also, earlier this week, Rogan said that he's not trying to promote misinformation. and Malone, he might believe the things that he said in that episode all right all right. let's let's jump in okay. So the first thing we want to talk to you about something you might be familiar with cherry picking the data
0: yeah, that's that's the classic. So cherry picking is when you are just um picking out either pieces of information or specific studies that support your point of view and ignoring any data that doesn't support that point of view.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And an analysis of misinformation around COVID-19 found that cherry picking was a common thing that you see. And so the example that I want to zoom in on, uh, something I noticed while listening to this Malone interview, was when he was talking about this condition called myocarditis. Myocarditis. So this is basically inflammation of the heart muscle, and it can feel a bit like chest pain or heart palpitations, um, sometimes it can give you like shortness of breath, and it's often caused by viral infections, but it can be caused by other things. So it's not a specific
0: disease, it's more like just um, the, the condition of having some inflammation around your heart, which could happen for all kinds of reasons?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it can be serious, uh, but actually in many cases it goes away and can be treated pretty easily.
0: So you can have like an inflammation of your heart that is not that big of a deal? It's kind of weird because it sounds like it'd be a horrible thing.
1: It sounds bad. That's right. That's right. And you can have very scary myocarditis when it's caused by viruses. But here's what Malone said about when people get myocarditis after getting vaccinated.
2: So a recent paper out of Hong Kong, comprehensive analysis, uh, myocarditis in boys hospitalized. Okay that makes sense that's yes. that word string so that's the data analysis so that's that's saying the myocarditis was so bad after vaccination and these are all verified post vaccination the myocarditis was so bad that you went to the hospital incidence rate is 1 in 2700 now the, there's all kinds of hand waving that oh myocarditis is mild and they recover from it okay those statements aren't let's say, gently based in fact.
1: I asked one of the authors of this paper about this, Dr. Mike Kwan. Are those statements not, let's say, gently based in fact?
3: Uh, I, I can tell you those are factual. Those are factual. Those patients, they recover uh, completely.
1: Mike is a pediatrician, and expert in infectious diseases at Princess Margaret Hospital in Hong Kong. I was chatting to him on Sunday night. And he said that the story with this study begins with this reporting system that Hong Kong has to pick up side effects from the vaccines. So if some people in Hong Kong get like a weird symptom after they get the COVID-19 vaccine, it gets reported. And Mike was the guy in Hong Kong that would get pinged if teens in particular were suspected of having myocarditis.
3: Even in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m.,
1: Yeah, so we would get these messages saying, we think we have a case, we think we have a case. And then he would make sure that these patients got all these tests done on them to confirm, yes, this is myocarditis. And all of this monitoring was going on for three months in the middle of last year, when like lots and lots of teens in Hong Kong were getting vaccinated. So in the end, 178,000 teens who were between 12 and 17 got the mRNA vaccine. And 33 of them got myocarditis. Most of them were boys. And in most cases, it popped up after the second dose. Now, when you zoom in on the stats for boys, it actually did turn out in this study that one in 2700, just what Malone said, had myocarditis. So just looking at that study, Malone is right. And having anything going wrong with your heart, like it could could freak you out. And I asked Mike about this. When you saw the boys who had this, were they scared? Were they worried?
3: Yeah, they were they, they, they actually quite scared at the time.
1: So, so were they okay? Were they okay? Yes. Well, that, that is the, the big, big question. Like, how dangerous was this for the kids? And, you know, you heard Malone said that, like, the myocarditis was so bad that they went to the hospital for it. But the thing is, if you read the paper that Mike wrote, it's very clear that, all of the cases were mild. And in fact, Mike told me that a big reason the kids were in the hospital is because Mike wanted to do all these fancy tests on them, like cardiac MRIs that aren't available in like a regular doctor's office.
3: All cases were hospitalized because we would like to perform a detailed workup for them.
1: So they didn't need to be there to like keep them alive? No. No, 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 no. In fact, he said that these patients, they all cleared up with either painkillers like ibuprofen. Some of
3: them even not require medications. And they just take a rest and eventually they recover by themselves. And uh, none of them got severe complications and uh, no case of mortality, most importantly. And all of them recover and went back home. And so far, uh, some patients being followed up for around seven months. And uh, they're, they're, they're very good, no problem. So this is very good news.
1: Yeah, so they've followed the patients for months now and Mike said that they are, quote, perfectly normal uh, and he's going to keep following them up just in case something changes. That is good. I'm glad they're okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when I think about how Malone talked about this study, it was almost, I don't know what's going on in his head, but it, it felt like he trusted and focused on the negative things in this study, but then didn't trust all the positive stuff.
0: Yeah, it's like, it almost sounds like you had a copy of the study where all the neutral and good parts were, like, blacked out, like, redacted for some reason. Yes,
1: exactly. You know, and since uh, that Hong Kong paper, there's been other research, uh, say this even bigger study that came out of Canada, which had uh, something like, you know, more than 300,000 boys in in that same age group and it found that the rates of myocarditis after the vaccines were even lower so in that case so in that study it was roughly 1 in 10,000 and again no deaths so like a bigger study found an even smaller risk exactly and you know if you're worried about myocarditis for your kid like that is a complication of covid you can get myocarditis from
0: getting covid the disease
1: Yes, yes. In fact, one study from the CDC found that one in every 750 kids under the age of 16 who got COVID also got myocarditis, which is higher than the risks associated with the vaccine. You know, I do want to say that we really went down the rabbit hole to see if we could find any cases of myocarditis from the vaccines that were not mild. And, you know, we did find reports of people who had complications. We even found several cases of people who had died. But the vast majority were fine. And if you're going searching for the worst-case scenario, then you really need to be also thinking about the deaths from COVID. I would say, looking at the data, if you are worried about these conditions, you know, you're worried about myocarditis, I feel like you should be more worried about your kid's getting COVID versus your kid's getting a vaccine. That makes sense to me. All right. So that is my story about cherry-picking the data. You don't tell people how COVID, the illness we are trying to vaccinate for, can cause complications. You focus on the very, very scary things. I don't know if he intended to miss all of this uh, but it is a classic case of cherry-picking.
0: Okay, so the next thing that we're going to talk about is um, looking out for anecdotes, stories,
1: especially, like, scary or, like, really emotional stories. Uh, This is a classic classic one for the misinformation game.
0: Yeah, yeah. We know that anecdotes carry a lot more weight than they really have any business to. So I found this gigantic meta-analysis from 2020 that looked at, 61 studies of what kind of information is most persuasive to people. and so they compared statistics and data with um, anecdotes. and they found that sometimes people are totally like interested in hearing the statistical data to make decisions. But one big exception to that is when they're making a decision that affects their own health. in oh, that case Wow. Yeah, especially if there are there's possible severe consequences. So in that case, um, people are more likely to believe an anecdote than they are to listen to stats. That is so interesting. And it's funny because like that's probably when you should be relying on stats the most is you know serious medical decisions. I heard some anecdotes in this episode. Um, so here's an example of what I'm talking about.
2: So I took two doses of Moderna with the second dose i developed stage 3 hypertension with systolic blood pressure of up to 230 okay i'm lucky to be alive you know what it means is i've had a stress test of my aorta and my cerebral vascular system and i didn't have a stroke and i didn't tear my aorta all to shreds but it's a good thing
1: whoa he he's saying that came from that came from the vaccine
0: so the context here is he's he's saying that people who got covid before they got vaccinated had a worse reaction to the vaccine and and he's one of those people he got covid and then he got vaccinated right and he's saying his reaction was so bad he he he's basically implying he nearly died you know i'm lucky my, my aorta didn't tear all to shreds
1: yeah yeah that's a memorable line so is um i guess first thing very powerful anecdote um is is it true is any of that I mean, obviously, I don't know what happened to him personally, but is this a thing that happens that if you get COVID and then get the vaccine, your symptoms can be worse?
0: Yeah, we can't say what happened to Malone, but we're moving beyond the anecdote, which is the whole point of science. So I looked into this and I did find a couple of studies that asked this question, and they did find that actually there's some evidence that if you had COVID before you got your COVID shot, you might have worse side effects from the vaccine. Oh, Okay. Okay. One study that followed people who were describing their symptoms over time, whether they had COVID and then after they got the vaccine, they found that um, if you had never had COVID before you got your vaccine, for example with Pfizer, your chances of getting a flu-y sort of side effect from the vaccine are about one in five. Got it. But if you had had COVID before you got your shot, your odds were more like one in three that you'd have like a flu-like.
1: So oh, okay. So you are at a slightly higher risk if you had COVID then got the vaccine. Of getting, you said, flu-like symptoms. What does that involve?
0: Um, this was stuff like fatigue and headaches. So it's like feeling crummy. And the researcher told me that the side effects cleared up on their own and they weren't dangerous.
1: Oh, okay. And so Malone described that super scary, like aorta thing, stage three hypertension. How common is that? Well, in these studies, they don't
0: report anything like that. And so this is a, following a group of more than 14,000 people.
1: They didn't find it. Okay, okay. But this was for like a very specific situation that he was talking about where you have had COVID and then you get the vaccines. But what if we just like look at people generally? Like generally, when you get the vaccine, can you have stage three hypertension? Yeah,
0: I, I wanted to know that too. And I I looked for that and I did find a report of nine people in Switzerland who had stage three hypertension after they got their vaccine. Um, they were all over the age of 50. This was out of thousands of people, by the way. Um, so like you just talked about, Wendy, you know, it could be a, a rare side effect. And if it is, you still have to weigh it against your risk of getting a similar issue from COVID. Um, and we know that COVID, the disease, can mess up your cardiovascular system. You know, the most serious way being like, it could stop your heart if you die from it, right? Right, right. So, yeah, it's like, again, what you said earlier. It's a a risk-benefit thing.
1: If you want another anecdote, I got COVID and then got my booster shot. And it was fine.
0: I know a few people that got COVID in 2020 and got vaccinated in 2021 and perfectly
1: fine. My shoulder hurt a little though. It was, shoulder, it was a uh, little bit sore. I'm sorry. Does the, do, do the listeners even care? Do they even notice? They're still thinking about that aorta that almost tore open.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, if, if, if then you're going to the pharmacy to get your booster or whatever, you're just thinking torn aorta, aorta torn to shreds, aorta torn to shreds, aorta torn to shreds. It, it, it's freaky. And so it sticks. And there's one more thing I want to bring up here. So we know that stories can be really good at grabbing our attention and our emotions, and they can actually be more memorable than just hearing stats. We know that because we use them on our show, on Science Versus. We often have anecdotes in our episodes. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no. But, like, I don't mean to put smoke up my own ass, but, like, when we use anecdotes, we... Are really careful to, to use them to try to represent the bigger picture of science. Right. It's to
0: illustrate a point that we see in the data. Like, I, I don't know the takeaway necess- Like, the takeaway isn't like if you hear a story on a science podcast, you should run screaming, but you also want to be listening for your data that backs up whatever that story is trying to tell you.
1: Okay. So, our next question is Can the vaccines mess up your period? Because in Rogan's podcast, they sure made it feel like that.
2: There's a huge number of dysmenorrhea and menometriagia. What, what are those? This is alterations in menses in women. Oh, so right. That is, that's a huge issue. There's, and, and they deny it.
1: Is it a huge issue? We look at whether or not the vaccine messes with our period over in our full episode on this, which you can find over on our main feed. Just search for Science vs. in Spotify, that's Science VS, and click on our episode, Joe Rogan, the Malone interview. We also have a couple of other episodes on misinformation that you might want to check out, including what tech platforms like Spotify should actually do to stop misinformation spreading on their platforms. So go check it out. Just search for Science vs. Science VS in Spotify. Funnily enough, I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.